what, what, what? Word. All right. All right, yo. Um, yeah. uh, do, can you do these ones for a uh, couple mixtapes, man? All right. Cool? All right, for Flip Out. Flip that's Out. My, yeah, that's my mixtape. And uh, then um, and then after that, J-Swing. So, yo, 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 it's Nori from Capone Noriega. And right now, I'm on a Flip Out mode. World up. CNN. June 17th, Operation World Domination. What, what? All right, and one for J-Swing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Live and direct. Stab your neck. The world is yours. The world is yours. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whose world is this? It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whose world is this? The world is yours. The world is yours. I sip the dumb peak watching Gandhi till I'm charged and writing in my book of rhymes. All the words past the margin. The whole of mic I'm throbbing. Mechanical movement. Understandable smooth shit that murderers move with. The thief's theme. Play me at night, they won't act right. The fiend of hip hop has got me stuck like a crack pipe. The mind activation. React like I'm facing time like Pappy Mason. With pins I'm embracing. Wipe the sweat off my dome. Spit the phlegm on the streets. Sway Tim's on my feet. Makes my cipher complete. Weather cruising in a six cab I'm on tarot deep, I can't call it The beats make me falling asleep I keep falling, but never falling six feet deep I'm out for presidents to represent me Say what? I'm out for presidents to represent me Say what? I'm out for dead presidents to represent me Whose world is this? The world is yours The world is yours It's mine, it's mine, it's mine Whose world is this? The world is yours The world is yours It's mine, it's mine, it's mine Whose world is this? The world is yours, the world is yours To my man ill will, God bless your life To my peoples throughout Queens, God bless your life I trick we box of crazy bitches aiming guns and all my baby pictures Beef with housing police, release scriptures, that's maybe Hitler's Yet I'm the mild money getting style, rolling foul The versatile honey sticking wild golden child Dwelling in the rotten apple, you get tackled A court by the devil's lasso, shit is a hassle There's no days for broke days, we sell and smoke pays While all the old folks pray to Jesus soaking they sins and trays A holy water, odds against nods and slaughter Finger the word best describing my life To name my daughter, my strength My son, the star, will be my resurrection Born in correction, all the wrong shit I did He'll lead in right direction How you living larger, broker, charge cards are mediocre You're flipping coca, playing spit, spades and strip poker Phantom, the crew is lambing, Big Willie style. Check the chip to smell. Plus, I pull 
old foul wow. Stash through the flock, clothes burning dollars to light my soul. Walk the blocks with a bop. Checking games plus the games people play. Bust the problems of the world today. It's yours. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whose world is this? The world is yours. The world is yours. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whose world is this? The world is yours. The world is yours. It's mine. It's mine. Yeah, I tell everybody in Queens, the foundation. The world is yours. To everybody uptown, yo, the world is yours. The world is yours. To everybody in Brooklyn, y'all know the world is yours. The world is yours, everybody at Mount Vernon The world is yours, Long Island Yo, the world is yours, Staten Island Yeah, the world is yours, South Bronx The world is yours What's up, people? Welcome to Creative Theory Podcast, the show that brings you conversations with visual artists about how they got to where they got, what their day-to-day is like, what their thoughts uh, on the art world, world are, their struggles. Wow, yeah, this music was really loud. It kind of messed me up. But it's all good. We got a really amazing artist in studio today. I just learned today, and I think I really, I'm really fascinated by this fact, he had a certificate from 1988 for being the greatest talker. I mean, I think that's all we need to know, really, but he's an amazing art director, character designer, artist, athlete, and uh, I'm sure we're going to learn a lot more about you. Matt, cheers, man. Thank you uh, for coming on the show. Thank you. I think that music was a little hyped up for me, but... Uh, no, no, no. I think, it's, uh, I think it fits. It's awesome. I, I made a mistake. I didn't ask how to uh, pronounce your last name, and I don't want to mess it up. It's Beaumier. Beaumier. I kind of like get rid of the S and the I and the everything in there. It's it's French. It would be Beaumier, but okay. uh, we Englify it a little bit. Because, yeah, when I read it, I, uh, yeah. Boismier. Something like that. Do you get that a lot? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. even mind it, but. Uh, well, I got a pretty tough last name, too. Living with it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever said your n- last name. That's okay. We're not even going to try it today. I get yeah. your, I, I know your first name, though. There That's. It counts. 
So, Matt, uh, as I mentioned, yeah, our director, character designer, um, you're really a fun person to follow on social media. I got you on Facebook, I got you on Instagram, and the recent uh, adventures and travels have been pretty fun to uh, uh, watch. Uh, how's it been? How long have you gone for, by the way? Yeah, so this last trip, I think uh, what Ilya is mentioning is that I keep quitting my jobs <laughs> and uh, taking off for a few months and going traveling. So last year I did three months in Central America. My goal was to get better at surfing. I was kind of frustrated with the animation industry and I had uh, done most of the things I wanted to do and then uh, came back from that trip, felt recharged, worked again for a little bit and uh, felt that I was in the same place where I was, you know, my happiness was dwindling a bit. So. Uh, again, I quit my job and <laughs> I went traveling for just under three months this time. And it wasn't as extravagant. I spent a lot of my time uh, in Florida, oddly enough, uh, hanging out with some buddies who had sold their tech company and uh, rented a condo down there. So we actually hired a pro volleyball player, uh, Peter... For for what? <laughs> Peter. Well, I play a lot of beach volleyball. I see that as well. It's, awesome. uh, it's one of the, the ways that I actually kind of keep keep cool most of the most of the year. And so my buddies, uh, one of them is my volleyball partner. I play competitive twos. And so yeah, we we hired this uh, professional AVP volleyball player to train us for for the duration of this stay. So I went down there, spent some time. I spent some time in Ontario. I'm from Ontario. Yeah. Uh, so saw my family and then uh, made my way over to Bali to surf again. So <laughs> basically my trips are, are me alone, just kind of like going wherever I want to. Um, and when I do that, I feel most comfortable when I have something to do athletically um, to yeah. kind of fill most of my time when I'm not painting or kind of working on side projects. So I go surf. Uh, it, well, it sounds like you're, <laughs> you're, just, you're describing a pretty good life. I want to uh, let's get back to that beginning. You're saying you keep quitting. What is what are those animation studios doing to you? Nah. Okay. So <laughs> quitting. I, I, I'm not like flipping tables and quitting. But uh, I had spent. I moved out here from Ontario in 2012. Worked for Nerdcore Entertainment. Yep. Yep. Amazing company. Uh, they grew really rapidly. That's where I met you, right? I think. Yeah, well, I met you when we went to apply at Disney. Disney. It was right. a Disney <laughs> uh, job fair. That's what actually I got. I made a little note here because yeah. I was trying to remember. And uh, that, that's actually the cool thing is I remember, but I don't know if I knew you from Norcord then or just like followed you or something. But I remember you, I we, we worked in the same building, I believe, yeah, but yeah. you were animating. Yeah. So Ilya approaches me in the lobby of like we're waiting to go in for our interviews with Disney and <laughs> Ilya's like uh, hey can you can you I want to do character design can you show me some things and he shows me his portfolio and it's amazing oh, and nice, so fast good. forward to now and Ilya is the most proficient artist in this city I everywhere uh, I look it's it's murals by Ilya and there's videos online and so yeah it's it's Thanks, really man. cool to see like I mean, I've always wanted to do character design, and, and I don't know, he was animating yeah. and then made the jump. That was amazing, and you're really kind to actually sit down with me on a couch, and we were in this, like, what, what hotel was it? It was, it was the Georgia Hotel. It, it was, was beautiful. It was a beautiful hotel. We are just, yeah, sitting on a couch. Hey, Matt, can you just look at my work? And I'm pretty sure I had some just silhouettes or something, but that was cool, man. I appreciate it. But um, time flies, I guess. And yeah. Then, yeah. So that was that was Nerdcore. That was my time yeah. at Nerdcore, um, and then Nerdcore got bought out by DHX. So I worked for DHX, and I basically had went from being a character designer first time to being a 
senior designer. Then I got an opportunity to do some viz dev on a project that got me noticed. And then um, from there, the creators of Kate and Mimim, when they came to town uh, to work with Nerdcore to make the show, they asked to have me on as uh, on the project as a lead character designer. And so I had run through all these projects and all these positions. I went to become a lead and then an art director. And then I consulted for a project and eventually I ran out of things that I, that were inspiring me and wow. I thought I had to move on. And I made that clear, um, one day over wine with one of the HR, uh, people <laughs> over wine. It, that's how you do it. Yeah. So by this point, DHX had bought Nerdcore, and we had the two facilities. We had Alexander studio. We had, uh, the Clark studio and I was at the Alexander studio talking to people who I thought had no connection. So yeah. we were just drinking wine and I was casually saying, I think after this project, I'm going to move on. This was after the second season of, uh, Kate and Mimim and which you are directing. I was art directing yeah. and, and I love that project. That's the best project I've ever worked on so far. So, um, that was really awesome, but I thought there was nothing for me after. And so I made that clear the next day I went into work and I get a call from HR at, uh, the Clark building and I'm like, Oh no, am I in, am I in trouble? And they, they bring me down and they're like, so we, we heard you are thinking of leaving. Like, what can we do to keep you? Wow. Which is super like. I've always been straightforward with the studios for better or worse, yeah, yeah. Um, but it always ends up being for better. I don't try to like sugarcoat anything. And if I'm not feeling good about a project, you know, maybe there's some other people who aren't feeling good about a project. So um, anyways, I made it clear and then they, they did that and they, they offered up a few things. And one of the things they offered was uh, the only thing I hadn't done, which was work on a feature film. And uh, My Little Pony, the feature was oh, happening yeah, at right. the the Clark studio. So they offered me that and I was like, okay. Well, what I didn't realize was that was also a supervisor position. I was kind of growing a bit tired of the management positions mm. because I, I, it was stopping me from actually producing artwork. That's it, yeah, uh, that's such a huge point. You just flew through a lot of those <laughs> things. Uh, I'll have to get back to a couple, but uh, when you said you felt like once you got to our directing, you felt like you had to move on, meaning because you did you feel like you learned everything you could learn in that space? Yeah, I was feeling like I was at the top of, you know, the ranking at the studio okay. and I was working. I, I didn't feel like I was learning, mm -hmm. basically. And, and it's the only reason why I, I like to do art is to progress yeah. uh, since I was little. I mean, you could almost every time you pick up a pencil, you can kind of learn something if you're acting trying to learn you could also not learn anything for a few years but the whole reason I loved art was you just constantly learn it's kind of the same way like I love surfing because it's so hard but each time I go out I can improve at one thing or another mm -hmm. and that's what really draws me to art and I was losing that and I was learning things in management I learned that I'm actually pretty good at it nice, yeah. but I also learned that I don't have an interest in it mm -hmm. I don't know how to evaluate myself at the end of the day you know I can deal with the people I can solve problems I can do all of that but when I go home at the end of the day I don't know how to evaluate what I did and so when I draw a picture mm -hmm. I can go yeah, home yeah. there's a result yeah. Yeah, yeah and I can go home and be like oh you know what that was a really good drawing or that was a really bad drawing what can I do better the next time I I couldn't do that with management mm -hmm. so. well also uh, you know, being an artist, if that's what you're striving for, 
and having that being slowly taking away basically and just doing more and more management which is cool yeah but not getting to do art i can totally understand yeah and i i think i'm slowly actually experiencing that as well um but you have a pretty healthy relationship with challenges though you know what i mean because you're you're saying from the beginning it sounded like you you wanted to not be good at something so you can get good at it and i feel like it's a tough thing to accept and then but it's a you can have a healthy relationship with it it sounds like you do do you know where that comes from especially if you said you got it from when you, when you were young that's interesting i've never been told i have a healthy relationship <laughs> with challenges um i don't shy away from them at all like i i don't feel embarrassed if i you know if i go out and do something and i'm You're not, also not scared right <clears throat> i'm not scared I, you know some people have an ego um oh here's another time yeah okay let's go so let's go. i i think this goes with the the ego uh versus the confidence thing mm -hmm. i've always had confidence i just do whatever i'm gonna do and I get embarrassed if I like, you know, I get, I get embarrassed, but I have this confidence to do just about anything. I can approach people. I can, I can fail at something and feel still like I'm, you know, not the worst human in the world. Um, <clears throat> so I'm very confident, but I'm also confident just because I kind of know where I fit in mm -hmm. the world. You know, I, I know where I stand when it comes to other artists. Some people might see that as an ego, I, I hope they don't see me as just like this walking ego because I can tell you where I stand. Mm -hmm. I can tell you if I'm better than someone. I mean, art is so subjective, so that's not even fair. But like if we're talking only skills, if we're talking volleyball, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that I can compete against someone, say, I outplayed you today or, yeah, yeah. you know, you get that result. Art is very subjective. So it's like, yes, you can be better at drawing creatures mm -hmm. and I can be better at what I do and, you know, whatever. So... I think with the challenges is I don't have an ego about it. Mm -hmm. But the, my theory was that uh, I want, did you play sports when you were young? Yeah. So I, I always feel like, and I've spoken uh, about this uh, with uh, many friends of mine, uh, James, James Knight specifically, is that doing other things outside of art where you basically, there's a lot more right and wrong. In sports, you like you messed up, you can't score, you can't score. You know, it, it's pretty simple. So I think it humbles you really quickly or it doesn't have to be sports it can be like i don't know, could be cooking maybe like you'll fail and then it doesn't taste good so bringing those experiences into art does it feels like allow you to basically approach it not from this f fine art side only where failing is either scary or it's like you're saying or embarrassing but if you have this other tangible aspect because like you said art is not tangible it can't be is it good is it bad i don't know and it's actually a pretty big trap that people fall into when they only think that it actually can't be wrong at all. And then, you know, I think then you limit your knowledge. Anyways, but so you have played uh, sports when you're Yeah, young. my whole life. I played 15 years of baseball um, wow. competitively, but um, I never made the travel team. And that's something that, like, you know, I, I went out, I think, three years in a row to, to do this. Now, I stand five foot seven mm -hmm. right now, so I'm not a tall human. And I play beach volleyball against guys who are six foot four, six foot eight, six foot you know on average six foot big jumps <clears throat> most of the women i play with are much taller than me so i have to jump high i have to work hard in baseball where you wouldn't think size matters i found out later mm -hmm. after three years of uh, attempting to get on this travel team and i was a very skilled player i ended up being a pitcher i was a home run hitter but i found out later from my mom that they actually didn't allow me to be on the team because i was too small 
really? That, that yeah. Was, wow. And so the closest I ever got was being carded. And you know what? Like, same goes. I, I never got into the animation school I wanted to go to when I was young. It, it was never a failure. It just changed the direction of where I was going. And, like, I continued to play sports, and I dominated – um, you know, in, in the baseball leagues that I ended up playing in, mm-hmm. I was, I was always the, I'll, I'll always kind of rise to the occasion of the room I'm in basically. And I love to be in a room of people who are more talented or smarter or, you know, more successful, mm-hmm. whatever you deem that to be. But uh, like, mm-hmm. I love that it challenges me. And, uh, I, ha- I had an interesting situation, uh, actually as a hiring art director, yeah. um, I was hiring a senior designer one time and as I was doing that, this guy was much older than me by about 20 years, okay. uh, lots of experience, six foot five. And he was, <laughs> he was good. He was qualified for the job. And, uh, when I left the interview room, HR was kind of like, are you sure you want to hire this guy? I was like, why, why? wouldn't I? Yeah. He's like the perfect <laughs> candidate. They're like, well, he might give you a run for your money. I was like, are you suggesting that I, I wouldn't want someone who's actually, like, more talented? Like, I need my... Wait, what was their point? What do you mean? What were they trying to say? Well, what I didn't know, uh, so... Wow, okay, we're getting deep in here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was just a really weird notion. It never crossed my mind, like, that I would be challenged, that I... Mm. It, like, I'm in the role because someone wanted me there. And I'm uh, okay. and I know what I'm capable of. And even though I was pretty new to art directing, like... It was just a very interesting way of looking at it. It's two different sides. And I was thinking, I'm only going to hire the best people for my team. Of course, yeah. And HR was kind of like, oh, but what if you're, you know, what if he tries to take your job? What if he's really good? Well, that's the point. Exactly. Then I get yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. Like I exactly. learn from him. Yeah. I, you know, if that's the case, then he deserves it. And, you know, I'll concede or something. I don't know. Like, yeah. but it, to me, like that wasn't even a thought that would cross my mind is to not hire a guy. Well, you got this. That's that's such an amazing approach and mental state to be in. I guess yeah, it's really the best one. In the end, it's like you said, you do want to be surrounded by people who are greater, way better than you. To anyways, just to make yourself better. Otherwise, I mean, it's it's a known fact. Yeah, you surround yourself with people who are not as good. You kind of keep yourself down as well. One thing you you just said, how like you were not seeing those things where something didn't work out or you just couldn't get in like as failures. And I, you, I feel like a lot of or just a lot of people not just artists experience this thing especially when f- applying for work and i don't know about other industries but man this animation industry sometimes you send out 10 let's say 10 applications you get one reply some people never even reply and so i would actually sometimes see it as like i would see it as a failure but like not maybe not i guess i would have to like not a, i felt like it was a failure but it doesn't defeat you i guess you're just like well that sucks but Got to keep trying, basically. Yeah, yeah I, I don't want it to sound like I have some sort of, like, clarity in this whole thing. I, I, I'm looking I'm looking <laughs> backwards, right, at my, my past, and I can analyze it now. But when I graduated school, I, ha- I may have had a bit of an ego, and I wanted to be a character designer. That's a really mm. sought-after position. It's hard one there to are, get into. There, there's only a few positions per, um, per project. So... I was coming from a town that had no animation. So I was in Windsor, Ontario. The closest Mm -hmm. was Toronto, which is saturated with Sheridan grads and, you know, just so much talent already. And I remember applying one time only to like a few studios and House of Cool was one of them. And Mm -hmm. I got denied and turned down and I didn't get the job I wanted. And 
I thought I only had one chance at it. Like I could never apply mm. again. And, <laughs> and I thought I failed. And it took me five years after I, I just missed, I never applied again for five years to any studio. I bartended, I f- kept freelancing because people kept hiring. Like I knew I was good enough to work doing something, but not as a character designer. So I just, instead of going in as some sort of like entry level job that I didn't actually want to do, I decided to keep doing the things that I was excelling at, which was being hired to do portraits and illustrating some kids books that weren't even for publishers. They were, you know, low level stuff that was barely paying the rent. Um, and so, yeah, five years, I, I didn't enter the industry till I was 27, which in hindsight, I can look at and go, wow, here I was thinking that was all a, a mistake or a fail, mm. but it all led to where I am now. And it was the perfect thing to do. I was 27. I had so much experience dealing with clients, deadlines. Um, you know, I sucked at being a freelancer. My time <laughs> management was awful, but all these things that I learned, I also had, I, I th- I've counted it recently, but it was like 28 jobs that had nothing to do with art before I got into the industry. Wow. So I've been yelled at by employer, like the, <laughs> got the good experiences that I've yeah, had. like lifting heavy things and putting them down and like putting up festival tents and dealing with porter potties. I've done all those jobs. I've been yelled at. There's no feelings involved in those. Like you don't have to coddle someone. Mm-hmm. So I've been yelled at. I've sucked at jobs. I've been fired from two jobs before. Like it all feels like failure at the time. In hindsight, I can analyze it all and reflect and realize kind of how it all just really like if you have the right mentality and perseverance then it it actually builds your your repertoire so much of it is mentality even let's say let's say you went like to i think as an example let's say you went to plant trees because like for summer because you couldn't get our job let's say for example you could look at it as like man i'm going to witness so much beautiful nature this is going to help me in my art so much or you could be like man this is the worst thing ever to happen in my life and so it sounds like you just you just had the right attitude did you um so when you didn't get that job the first one did you did you feel like you gave up or you didn't because you still did freelance like what what was your attitude towards it was a bit of an ego i i gave up a little bit um i was caught up in bartending though like i i had paid my way through school um when i was in animation school i worked typically at least two jobs simultaneously while going to film school and bartending was one of them it it really like i was able to graduate and had paid off my my student loans and or not student loans but just like my tuition in my car Mm -hmm. uh the day i graduated and so i always worked hard anything i wanted i had to pay for so you know i I had the work ethic Mm um and the bartending got the best of me. I, I, I'm very social and I loved it. I got to party, but make money while yeah, I yeah, was yeah. doing that. So too much fun. I really, I really enjoyed that. And then what happened was I graduated. I was living in Windsor. My, my best friend at the time who went to school with me, uh, he got a job at Silicon Knights in St. Catharines, which was a game studio that crashed pretty hard a few years <laughs> later, but he spent five years uh, working there when he got a, a job offer there um he kind of saw that i was just bartending and doing nothing he's like why don't you move with me we'll move out together uh so three of us actually uh moved to st Catharines, and he worked mm-hmm. and i continued to buy i went and got a job at the hard rock cafe just having too much fun bartending yeah hard hard rock cafe and i just kept bartending and making good money and then uh i got fired from that job <laughs> and i had 
I was like, you know what? That's it. That's a sign. I should I should really pursue what did my you art. Do? What did you do? Oh, they don't want to say it's okay. They, <laughs> yeah, bartender. Like they were making a uh, an example out of me because I was the newest employee, and all their their lifers there um, were kind of skimming off the top. So they got me on uh, not char- charging for a few beers, oh. which were like honest mistakes. A few of them, and one of them was like literally, I I poured two pints of beer and gave them to a couple who had been buying shots for everyone. Mm. I didn't mark it down appropriately. So they actually like, it, it was a big deal. And so I, I voluntarily quit. I don't think I've ever said this on uh, in oh, any interview. It's funny you called them lifers. Th- that's a thing. In that's Niagara Falls, for sure. Yeah? It's, the, it's all service industry. Okay, um, so, been, so yeah, these, these uh, yeah, you're talking like 45 year olds who are, who who have made a career of bartending. I'm not saying it like, it's just that they were so comfortable with this company and, and they got carried mm-hmm. away. So they, I was the, like the new guy who was just kind of f- fleeting. Like I, I wasn't going to stay in, them, I wasn't going to stay in Niagara Falls. So they just kind of used me to scare, scare yeah. the ones who are going to stick around. Sorry, I interrupted you. So you said that was a sign, sign from the universe. Oh, so, so I was like, <laughs> okay, this is the time. I like at this point, I'm about 25 or something like that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try to work in my industry I was loving drawing people. So I wanted to be a character designer. I loved drawing people. I never liked drawing landscapes. I never did anything like that. So I knew I wanted to do character design. And I got somehow hooked into doing caricatures. That's what I saw from you. I think some of the art you showed me is uh, some of the, and you did uh, traditional. Uh, yeah. Like, was it pastel? No, mm. was it Conte? So uh, I, I had been doing caricatures, but I knew nothing about it. And then when I was looking for jobs, I couldn't get a job. And I found that Canada's Wonderland in Toronto was hiring <laughs> for uh, a character artist. Nice. So I decided I would drive three hours a day. Why not to to work this job? And I got hired, and then I became a lead immediately as I was hired. So I, I was a lead character caricature artist at a. How does it work? What is, a, what is the difference between a lead and a you get a bit more commission? Okay. okay. Base. I can tell you right now. Mm-hmm. So I was commuting three hours a day mm-hmm. in a car that was way too expensive <laughs> so it was costing me about thirty dollars a day in gas yeah. i was making minimum wage uh with the theme park with 20 percent commission basically a good day i would have to work a 10-hour day to make it even remotely worthwhile okay. which makes it a 13-hour day of, with the driving Ooh. and i at best was clearing 110 dollars <laughs> So I did that for five months. So clearly Again, you loved it. I mean, you, the fact that you did <laughs> I did love it. I loved it and hated it. I, it's one of those things where, like, again, I was failing. I was going backwards financially. Yeah. And I thought, what am I doing? Well, like, this isn't going to get me anywhere. So what I did was get smart. So I would work in the theme park. People would be super impressed with my drawings. I always had a really Disney-esque style of drawing. So I could sell any drawing I did with appeal. So mm. even if it didn't, the likeness wasn't there, I could make an appealing drawing. And you have to draw straight to marker, so like everything was safe. And so I would do that, and I would sell the frames, and I'd get commissions on all that stuff. But then what I would do, I started bringing business cards to Smart. work. There you go. Yep. And so everyone would be like, oh, do you do parties? And I'm like, wait a second. The rate for parties is going to be way better. Yeah, so yeah. I'd hand out my card. They'd call me. They would book me, and I would take a day off work. And instead of working 10-hour day, I would work a three-hour day, make $300 okay. instead. Wow. 
charging like 100 or 125 an hour. You're working a party, they feed you. It was amazing. And so I started kind of balancing my time that way. And then I got became part of uh, the International Society of Character Artists, ISCA. Got super involved with that. Later that year, I would do my first uh, convention with them. I ended up winning an award for best digital style because I brought my laptop. And at the time, all these guys were old school, working in mm -hmm. the, the theme park way yeah. uh, or painting and, and doing all these traditional mediums. So I brought my laptop and I got an award for that. Um, I got some publicity for that. Turns out all of that lent like that is made me the artist I am. I'm fast. I'm confident. I work in pen. I never work in pencil. Like, this is such an amazing story, and, and I think this is really why I wanted to, and I love doing this podcast, is because there's. It seems like there's a lot of these, like there's, it's so unconventional. This is such a cool story to hear. The fact that how it took and what it took to get to where you are, it's amazing. Yeah, well, yeah, it's amazing now to reflect on it. But I mean, <laughs> back then you're. Yeah, uh, I also so moved much. after I did that. I was already going broke, and uh, the girl I was dating and I, we decided to move to Vancouver without ever having lived here. Knew it was kind of expensive, and just took a shot. And the market crashed. It was. 2008 2009 yeah. I could not get a job in the industry out here I had no experience um, and Nerdcore and Atomic met with me Nerdcore was gonna offer me a job this is when they were making League of Super Evil mm -hmm. and then that kind of all went to crud and I was mm -hmm. out here for 10 months and I had to turn around and tail between my legs go back home to Windsor Ontario I couldn't afford it anymore I had to wow. swallow my pride I kept trying to do my art as a freelancer but clients weren't paying me if they did pay me it would take months then the bank would hold those deposits because I had no money in the bank to back them up and so then wow. I was I was bouncing on my um, I, I bought a way too expensive car when I was actually making good money at Hard Rock <laughs> so like uh, you know I failed and I, I missed so many uh, insurance payments on my car and I used to be really diligent with money and all that stuff and the day I almost defaulted on the third time. They would have, like, it would have screwed up my insurance. I swallowed my pride. I went and applied for another serving job. And once I did that, everything turned around again. Wow. I, I got my momentum and I did that for uh, quite a while. And I kept, I kept making kids books and drawing. I, I was always making art. And then a graduate, <laughs> a graduate from yeah. my college kept coming into the restaurant and he had his own company making uh, educational uh, games for the Ministry of Education and it was animation so he hired me freelance to do a uh, some storyboards for one of his projects and that was a small project and then he kept coming into the restaurant he's like Matt what are you doing working in a restaurant I'm like ah I'm fine he's like no you got too much talent what are you doing like I'll hire you I'm like nope and this went on for quite a you while. You were saying no to him. Why? I, I didn't want to give up the... Uh, I, I the loved time. serving and yeah, I yeah, loved... Yeah. I don't know. And I, I thought I could do it on my own. I thought I could do the, the freelance. He kept coming in, kept coming in. And he came in on the right day when I just didn't feel that energy for going okay. in and dealing with the general public. And I was like, I'll take the job. And I it took a bit of a pay cut, I think, from serving because that's all like cash money. Mm -hmm. And I had a... I had a job. I had a, my first studio job, which ended up being in his basement. But like, <laughs> we eventually yeah, yeah. we eventually moved into an What's actual. What's uh, Jacob Duheim. Is, um, he, is he really? The, is he the person that really just kick your butt into the industry? Basically, he d 
honestly, again, this is something that I could have looked at and been like, oh, what am I doing? Like, he's yeah. working in Windsor. His company's called iDream Interactive. He reached out to me recently uh, again, and I'm thrilled to be working with him because that year, so I spent one year. Um, I, I left. I worked a little bit in the restaurant on weekends and then mm-hmm. was working full time. I loved the idea that I was going to get paid for. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> Now you can say it. Now you can say it. Back then you couldn't. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I was I was working all the jobs and then, um, yeah, basically I ended up quitting the service industry, working full time. I was getting uh, paid vacation, which was a new thing for me. The studio was letting me basically do whatever I wanted visually. I was making Facebook games like um, like slot machine games. Mm-hmm. So I was making just everything. I was getting to do a little bit of character design. And within one year, I built a portfolio that was directed at the animation industry. Wow. And I did that by doing more than I was being asked to. So mm-hmm. like, if he was like, oh, we need this, he would be okay with anything I created. And I would just push myself harder, harder. Because I was getting paid to basically build my yeah. portfolio. And one year later, I went down to CTN, took that portfolio on my iPad that I got lucky and I won uh, when iPads first came out from my college. And then got amazing reaction from Disney and Sony and, and studios like that. Thought I was getting a job and then applied and it, it was great. But that job really like, it was focused art every day for seven hours a day, about seven hours. And then one hour of shooting our, like each other on Call of Duty. <laughs> that, that was part of the job, right? It was amazing. Every <laughs> lunch hour. Okay, let's take a little breath. The, the, the breath of air. This was crazy. That's my history. That's a journey. No, that... that uh, I didn't know that you actually moved here and then went back. This is, mm-hmm. man, I'm, I, I'm learning a lot about you too. I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that you sucked at freelance. That is, you, you, I think those were actually your words. And then ironically now is that you're... I'm trying again. Well, which uh, word are you doing? You've been doing for a bit, yeah. Yeah, I, again, I kind of, like time management's a hard thing. Like shutting your down. When I'm in a studio, I'm super focused. Like it's not hard for me at all like to sit there and do the work and I'm proficient like but what I grew tired of was being there longer than I had to be because I'm really quick yeah so I felt like I was spending a lot of time just like diddling around on Facebook or like (laughs) social media I would draw a lot for myself and then I was like there's so many other things I want to do like we're in Vancouver it's a beautiful place Mm -hmm. like I I don't want to be here for the sake of being here I'd, I'd love to have a little bit more freedom and that's why I'm trying freelancing again but the hard part about this is shutting it down, building that schedule where you can work nine to five and then be okay with what you've mm-hmm. accomplished and, and shut her down. I'm, I'm learning that right now. Yeah, Matt and I actually, before we got uh, the podcast going, we had a conversation a bit about that. I thought it was really cool. Uh, one thing, the point you mentioned as we were talking about him freelancing and traveling at the same time is that I think there's, a, there's an idea that when you do go start freelancing you're gonna have all this free time in the world and then i haven't done an, uh, as much as you but you you quickly realize yeah, if you keep saying yes or if or if you're finding a lot of work you and as you said because it's harder to know to shut down because nobody's telling you like there's no time to go home kind of thing so you may actually end up with a lot more work you do i i think i haven't adjusted my mentality uh because i'm you know i'm pretty good at I don't have a car out in Vancouver and, you know, I was making a good paycheck when I was art directing. So I, I have money in the bank. So I was able, like, I, I'm not pressed to find the work or at least I wasn't when I first left. 
Um, so there's no sense of urgency and I haven't shifted my mentality yet to, uh, to thinking that I, I still need to work eight hours a day, mm. like or, or whether that's for a client or for myself, yeah. I should be putting in those hours. So what I do now is I have the projects, I do what it takes to get those projects out that might be three hours in a day and then I do whatever I want. I need to, I need to figure out a routine that works for me where I can use all that rest of the time when, you know, most of the world is working or doing whatever and build those projects that I want to do the, the passion projects. So I haven't shifted that. I'm, I'm still wasting a lot of time and I want to be a very effective human. I'm better at like these projects now no longer linger on my mind. I can really get them done it's what I do with the rest of the time. How hard was that to learn? Because it's not about, like, I know you're in the middle of it right now, like you're saying to try to yeah, have this life adjustment, but how hard is it to not have that linger in your mind? Because is your mind usually on a project throughout, even when you're not doing it? It's, what I'm finding hard right now is if a project is currently in progress, mm-hmm. I have a hard time working on my own stuff. That's something that's different from when I was working on a stu- at a studio. I could do, like, I could come home and work on my own paintings. I could, I could do all that. But there's, like, this mentality shift where I don't feel like I can allot time to my own project if another person do is waiting on stuff. Do you feel guilty or do you feel more attached? Not sure. No, maybe it's a little bit of guilt. Yeah, yeah. it's a hard thing where I... So that's what I need to figure out. How do I, how do I allot myself a certain amount of time and be like, I will work four hours on this project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the rest of the time, that's that's for me to build my empire or whatever <laughs> you want to call I it. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> have you thought of this? I don't know if it defeats the purpose, but have you thought of having like uh, renting a studio space? Is that a... Yeah, that? well, I, I've seen your space and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. man, with, with other creatives, that would be amazing. So when I was down in Florida, that worked amazingly. I wasn't with creatives. I was with two tech guys who were coding every day but we had a routine like i would wake up run 4k on the the beach come back work out in the gym maybe and then we would find a a cafe we'd buy our little acai bowls and we'd work for the next like four hours which was fun because i work on an ipad and everyone approaches you and like i ended up getting to do a talk at a uh, an animation school down there that That was really cool that was just from working in a cafe and i love that interaction like it doesn't distract me I, i i thrive on bodies being around and for some reason, I cannot justify in Vancouver, like coming back and like, I have a space at home. I have my desk, I have whatever. I can't justify getting a space. I, I know I need it because every time I'm at home, I'm like dishes, yeah, yeah, laundry. Yeah, yeah. Like I can't separate the two. Why can't you? What do you mean you can't justify? Does it feel I don't too know. expensive? Or? Yeah. Okay. No. Well, and that's maybe part of the Vancouver thing, but. So, sounds like what you did you're saying Florida it sounds really cool and I really love when it actually happens what you said when people kind of discover the art or when these relationships are built in such a like almost like yeah. organic way I feel like that's the best you kind of meet on these equal side yeah. of the path and then yeah that's cool um, the difference so I don't drink coffee and yeah. I know a lot of people I could do my work in a coffee shop I don't need to rent a place mm-hmm. really and I would be okay with that but I don't drink coffee and that just means I'm going to turn to sugary drinks. Like it's <laughs> it's going to be me sitting drinking hot chocolate or like yeah, yeah. apple cider. Like <laughs> there's nothing that like tea doesn't really do yeah, it for me. It's kombucha. like it's like flavored, barely flavored water tea. Like I I, I don't know. You just got like, a bunch of people hating on you right now. How dare you? <laughs> I I don't. I'm, I've never been like a hot 
drink person and like it <laughs> makes me sad when, especially because vancouver is so like dreary all the time and like oh, yeah. everyone looks so happy holding their starbucks like yeah. purchase okay when <laughs> before we started this and you're telling me you just you came back from vacation uh, vacation sir and then people can't see but you got a pretty nice tan going and you when you you said you came back uh, I was going to ask, but in a good way, it's like, so why did you come back? Sounds like you had it so good. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Why did I come back? <laughs> I had no plan, really. Uh, what happened was I forgot to do the initial visa thing when I got to Bali. Um, and you can't renew, you can't extend past 30 days if you didn't do that initial setup. You pay like 30 bucks or something like that. So anyways, I also got to... Not detained. I couldn't okay. get to Bali the first time I tried because I didn't buy return ticket. Like I was winging this trip. I went. None of it makes sense. I flew from Vancouver, uh, December twenty third, okay. to Tallahassee, Florida, which is random. Spent like a week or so there for the, the holidays. Then I drove from Tallahassee with my mom, who was down there, back to Ontario. So that's like eighteen hours of driving. Wow. And then spent time in Windsor, Ontario. Then I went to Toronto for a bit, learned blacksmithing with my buddy who's learning. I saw that video. Yeah. Talk about that a bit. Yeah. Check out my YouTube channel. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So my buddy's learning blacksmithing. So my, anyways, so then from Toronto, I flew to Fort Lauderdale, spent a month in Fort Lauderdale. Then my friend called me and said they were in uh, New Orleans for a convention and had, you know, their, their company was putting them up. So if I wanted to just fly over to New Orleans, which was pretty close, so like $70, I was like, yeah, I'm coming over there. Turns out that was Mardi Gras. So that was super fun. And then from there, I was like, okay, I really want to get to Bali, but ah, I don't want to do the full flight. So I was looking at options to kind of like break it up. Maybe I was going to go to Hawaii a little bit. And then I got, I found a good deal and and decided to fly to uh, Bali. But that meant going through uh, San Francisco. My flight was delayed a bit. And I had to run to the gate and it, this was at midnight. The gate was just closing. They're like, okay, you're the last one. Like, let's go. They swiped my ticket and they realized I didn't have a return ticket. You can't go to Bali if you don't have a flight out. So are they afraid you're going to stay? <coughs> yeah. Cause you loved it so it's much. Like a v- it's, yeah. It's like a visa thing. So oh. <laughs> at midnight at China airlines, like not much English being spoken. It's midnight. I'm in San Fran. They're, they just shut the gate and leave me there. And I'm like, what do I do? Am I losing out on this whole wow. flight, which is expensive? Am I allowed to get on another flight? And finally, I find out enough information. And the flights only run at this time every night. So I'd have to wait 24 hours. So luckily, the year before, I met a, a, a really awesome guy uh, traveling last year in Nicaragua. And I knew he lived in San Fran. So I called him up. He happened to be awake at midnight couch surfed on his couch ended up having the best day in San Fran like I had been to San Fran before but I hadn't seen like San Fran that way and we had the best day I got on the next flight got to Bali either way time was running out I had to book a flight home and I had a lot of work to do I had big projects that could really you like I'm working on an iPad traveling so like it's not ideal so getting home to my like big Cintiq and like the proper like Photoshop so real estate there and yeah. yeah so I was like you know what I'm just I didn't have any other further plans and I'm like th- I like my routine a little bit so like I was losing it in Bali I, some of the surf wasn't so good and there were days I wasn't getting physical activity so I just 
I booked so my flight home. Came I, I came home. Came that's a long story. The surf was just good enough, but Chill. not good enough for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to take the video conditions. Don't be fooled. I'm not, a, I'm not a good surfer. I'm just learning. It's okay. No, I believe you. Hey, I, I haven't seen it, so I just think... I'll just think you're super great. <laughs> Your stories take on these, man, the, I guess you're just an adventurer, especially lately. And then it sounds it sounds like you've been enjoying being outside of the studio, clearly. I mean, you wouldn't be able to do that at all. Um, yeah, it's pretty great. And can I tell you, like, let's, let's turn this all into, you know, industry talk. Yeah, yeah, let's go. What has happened since I left, I would have anticipated the first time I left and was like, the first time I left, I this so this was 2006, like the end of the year, and I was like, I can't do this. Like I was actually in a bad, bad place, and I needed to recharge. I thought I was done with the industry and the like traveling. Completely. You thought you were gonna just I disappear. Change gears, do something. Like it would have been art based, but like uh, animation just was not fulfilling anything for me. So. I really thought I was walking away from it and, and that it wouldn't lead to what it has. And what it has done is built relationships with all the studios I had worked with previously. And they've grown to respect my time so much more. It's mm. it's this really weird thing. Like I remember so the first time I was traveling, I was still working with DHX because um, I've been developing uh, Strawberry Shortcake for the last few years mm -hmm. with them. And I was working on that while I was traveling and they needed me on a call and I was just arriving at the beach. I was like, hey guys, like I can't get on the call right now. I'm about to go surfing. They're like, okay, <laughs> can you get on at four? And with the time difference, I was like, four, four, four perfect i can still get in a sunset surf session race back and, and i'll <laughs> be on this call and so i do this and i get back to my place i'm still dripping wet i'm super tanned i'm in a tank top and i turn on my skype and it's six executives in a boardroom like <laughs> looking at me going we hate you they like hate you. that's what i was thinking but <laughs> like they admired what i was doing and it had no bearing on the work like i could nice. still produce for them i could still like it made them happy. It made me happy. And we have this relationship that works now where they, they do respect my time a lot and I respect w their needs and I get them what they need. And you know, you have the, you build up this whole idea that you have to be go, go, go all the time. But when I step back from it, people actually started to respect your time a little bit more. They didn't take advantage of you. They didn't, you know, like, well, because then they have you, I mean, now you can, just oh well, i mean then you could have left at any point but now it's even it's like i mean it, it is your personal time and now they're dealing with you as a person rather than a tool in this big collection of people yeah right it, it's really interesting i i don't think i could have predicted that and i've got to work on some really big projects and i get to dictate the terms and yeah. i kind of like that so the so there's definitely like good and bad to both mm -hmm. i don't think this would i don't think i would have the same mentality i have now if i didn't put six years like in the studios like grinding it out you know like it, this isn't i'm trying not to be like a, a prima donna or like you know anything like that and super dramatic about it like i put in six years mm -hmm. really like I, I was issuing in the new kind of technology for nerdcore to to bring them into the 3d realm mm -hmm. all of it was frustrating you know like it was a lot of work so without that i i think i would just be this like spoiled person but I, I do really appreciate the situation I have so. but I think it's so good to get that understanding understanding of how studio works even though you're freelancing you still need to know the going ons in there yeah and you need to do like, just so you n either don't go backwards or you're able to call them on their 
bullshit, I guess, if they're trying to... Because, yeah, yeah they, there's just so much to learn. And, yeah, once you end up working with studios outside, you still know what the going on is. Yeah. Do you want to... Um, we don't have to go deep, uh, but do you want to touch on a couple of things of what made you frustrated and it got you basically to a point where you wanted to get out? Uh, I think it was working in television. You know, there just wasn't... You're working with budgets. There, there wasn't room. So it was either that, like, I was... I was tired of watching my work. You know, it wasn't elevating. Mm -hmm. Once it left my hands, it because in 3D animation, uh, what you you know, as a designer, nothing I draw is seen on screen mm -hmm. unless someone's holding like a newspaper that I drew a little squiggle on or something. But um, it's not my product that's seen on screen, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But the problem was I was seeing this like deterioration from concept to to finish, and that's that's a product of television and you know there's just so much work in uh the industry right now in vancouver that we can't even find the talent yeah. to fill these roles yeah. and people like you know hr is going right into schools like capilano and hiring entire graduating classes because you can't find enough you know and which is okay to do you just need to make sure you got really good seniors above them to direct it but then and then you mentioned budgets and then once that comes into play yeah the quality drops right and then truthfully the like yes i'm drawing you could call that creativity mm -hmm. but when you're doing it on a production and it's a 52 times 11 like meaning 52 11 minute episodes mm -hmm. that's a that's like working at Ford Motor Company totally, on a production yeah. line. So yes, I might be drawing, and you can call that creative, but it creativity is in the mind, not not necessarily just moving the hand. And everything had been established. That's why I do Viz Dev. Mm. So I'm the guy comes on at the earliest uh, stage of these productions. Yeah, when yeah. when someone has a, a glimmer of a thought of what they want, that's when I come on, and I get to do kind of carte blanche designs. So that that's the beauty of doing freelance mm -hmm. now is I those are the projects I take on and I honestly and I just say I won't do any of the production work like I I Good. don't do turns I don't do like I'll I'll do expression sheets obviously that stuff's like tons of fun um, and I'll really depending on uh, on the terms but like if they want me to highly render something like yeah but the cool thing is that basically at this point it's like you it's like you. Uh, you paid your dues basically to now be able to choose the kind of work you want to do and i think as an artist that's really the the goal you know in the end people want to be able to pick their work to be the most um proficient and uh, excited about it and, and yeah it sounds like i mean you you, you just described your journey and it, it's not it definitely wasn't easy but it's cool that you now at this point where you can actually have the choice to be able to pick up a project or the kind of even art you want to do and then uh, what you said about me studios feeling like a production i think that's something a lot of studios animation studios have to realize that often people may not feel creatively challenged and finding workarounds that i don't know what they can do or what they do but i think there needs it almost needs to be addressed because i don't know about yourself i know many people who once it get into gets into production especially if it's 2d it it can feel like you're like in a factory it's true mm -hmm. and i'm not not to say that okay it's not hard work we're super lucky but it's just it's the type of work that may feel like a factory and so i think i don't know what your thoughts are but finding a way to break it up and remember remember that the people you hired are artists like how do you challenge them to make sure they're happy i don't know yeah you have to you have to like i always try to give my designers ownership mm -hmm. you know through and through like i'm not the the art director who bottlenecks 
projects and I don't have to touch everything. Like I, I want to give that ownership to the person who was throwing in their design. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't see them as just like a workhorse. Like I, I want them to be inspired. Mm -hmm. I want them to be like the way I see working in a, a studio at least the way I used to when I wasn't managing, like as a designer, that's the best job you can have. Like you're, you're literally being paid to build a portfolio. Oh, yeah. And if you l use it that way, like it's like you're being paid to go to school. Yep. If you're smart, you will grow and grow and grow rapidly because you have really talented people above you, especially as like a junior designer, like mm -hmm. everyone's better than you. And yep. you just look around and you learn and you put pen to paper and you, you get better. Um, so, that's an amazing thing to like the industry is great for that mm -hmm. how actually uh, i had a question is uh, what kind of if you can describe it what style of art director are you or or what kind of art director are you it's weird because i'm i'm pretty neurotic like in life and li like uh you know like i'm, I'm an overachiever and i'm very particular mm -hmm. but when it comes to people i I can tell you this, I've let way too much slide as an art director. There, <laughs> There's times when I do feel like I should have just foregone feelings and put my foot down and really like get the product to be the way it should be. But clearly I couldn't. Um, and that's a weird... That's a weird thing because it's like I, I know I can do better. Oh, for sure. There, you know, Kate and Mimim had massive problems that I knew about, and I did try my best, but like I didn't put my foot down. There was mm -hmm. an issue that took 14 episodes to change, and oh. I watched that first season of it. I'm like, how is this possible? Like, it, it just looks the colors are it, it, it's all a color thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and we had spent so much time kind of f finding this perfect color palette. And yeah, other times I do put my foot down and I feel like a, a, a dick doing it. But <laughs> then I it reveals this massive problem. And I'm like, thank goodness I did that. But yeah, I'm pretty, pretty easygoing. Um, and I just try to build everyone, like mm -hmm. get that confidence. Because if you crush someone, like there's no... You can't get that back. Like, oh, you know, yeah. if you take your designer and embarrass them or like, you know, just draw over everything they do, like you're, what, what service are you doing? So, yeah. and then I'm always, I guess in terms of what kind of art director, I am like a perfect balance, I think, of production and creativity. Cause I'm very mindful of production and I never stop. Like I, you really have to be, I mean, for, you really have to, to <laughs> save everyone else down the line basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it was always move forward, okay. fix it on the fly and like, let's keep this going. Cause I don't want to be the, I, I don't want to be the diva basically like art directors <laughs> already like they have a bad reputation. I don't want to be the guy throwing a hissy fit and stopping production and making everyone else do overtime. So, and that, that that's why I'm as asking particularly, yeah, because it is the tough call. And that's why I asked if you regretted it because you're dealing with artists people and then yeah like the and then the industry and the clients and to balance all those out it's sounds like a dance and well, everyone figures out in their own way uh, that's why i'm curious about yours yeah yeah the the thing is the clients expectations are usually less than mine right oh, so oh. like i can push something through and the client will be like oh, yeah that's fine <laughs> so sometimes sometimes yeah sometimes clients are, are absolutely you know crazy and 
but it's not usually just like the skill level or like the like there's a certain thing I'm looking for mm-hmm. and then there's a certain thing the client's looking for and usually I can get it through to to be good enough for what the client wants but then I'm like ah oh, man like this is my name on it like I really like you know I want to be the the chromosphere like the Kevin Dart oh, yes. and the you know I want to I want that look and but yeah never happened do you think it's yeah uh, but those guys like the Kevin Dart I mean it's not, it seemed like they started um, by themselves to then get to that point, right? Yeah, they're trusted. It seems like that's kind of the yeah. Way you gotta do it. Their style stands true because people come to them and they already have that look, and they just trust them to do that look. Like they're not coming to them to create something completely different. From the outside, it kind of feels like that's what's happening to you. Even the fact that people are looking for you to do work, are they looking for you because of um, your look or your experience? Fair enough. Um, I think the difference though is I don't do, when it comes to viz dev, I don't typically do the whole package. Uh, I do, people always just hire me for the characters, Mm. which I'm okay with. Um, I'm actually really okay with that, but it's hard to pull a whole look Mm -hmm. of a show together. And I've never seen it come together the way I would like it to. Um, but yes, they come to, I would say both. I I don't, I'm not the most skilled artist out there and I'm not the best character designer out there. I think I've gotten by so much by personality. Mm -hmm. I I think they enjoy working with me. They know that I can deliver on time, but I I do actually think the interaction that we have is a huge part of it. And, and this is something you don't hear often enough. I think, and I think there should definitely be emphasis on this. You know, people want (laughs) to work with you. Because you're a nice person as well. I mean, there's uh, the yeah. factors that go into it. Yeah. It's like that three, like uh, exactly. pick one or pick two, two right? Yeah. It's like speed, uh, ah, whatever, whatever that that saying yeah. is. But yeah, with with me, it's I've created these relationships, and I'm a bit of a schmoozer, and like, <laughs> I, I, you know, anyone in HR knows uh, knows that I am. You got, you got um, the moves. <laughs> so like, I, I've been very fortunate that way, and I I do try to like in my whole life, I, I foster relationships and. I work really hard at them and they're, they are of value to me. They're not fake. They're not phony. Um, you know, schmoozing sounds terrible, but like, no, I, I really like, I kind of know how to navigate personalities and you know, like just recently I kind of goofed on a, an invoice, uh, or like a quote for a project and it was, it was unwildly huge and I had expected to do more work and they had agreed to pay the, the amount. And after everything was approved, I looked at, I looked at all the numbers and I'm like, wait a second, that was way less work than I thought. So I actually went back and said, can I please revise this for you? Because oh, I, nice. I value the relationship. Like Look at you. Look I don't, you. <laughs> you know, yes, they agreed to pay me this that one time cause they were really in need of this, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to take advantage and then have them, be like, whoa, we can never go back to him again because yeah, he's yeah, so yeah. expensive. I want it to be like, listen, I value the relationship that you guys come to me for work. I don't want to take advantage, so I'm going to revise this. And that's the the type of kind of relationship. Like, I'm very open, mm-hmm. candid, and I kind of state my intentions. That's awesome. Uh, while you're... Sorry, I'm going to shift the gears here a little bit. While you're in your travels, because uh, I, I meant to ask you that before, is that, uh, have you built up any good habits for travel like uh kind of you know you're enjoying yourself but also getting work done is there anything you want to the only thing i yeah don't party 
<laughs> this last trip, I actually um, refrained from drinking too much, which was fantastic. I was really working on getting fit. Um, and I also realized I wasn't recovering very well from <laughs> a, a night of, of having some beers, right? And I just, I, I'm starting to realize that it's not adding any value to my life. I mm-hmm. love wine and beer and scotch and, and all of those things. And I love being social, but it doesn't add any value to my comes at a cost yeah like i want to be the most effective human i can be right like i want to i want to be producing stuff all the time i want to be making content and this just does not help at all so anyways i wasn't drinking much um but the way that i can get by with working in an atmosphere that is so cool like bali is if i have something like the sport of surfing wake up if i can if i can build my routine around waking up doing this thing Mm -hmm. getting out there getting my physical activity coming back hunkering down in you know maybe a cafe or the hostel or the the hotel doing a chunk of work and then knowing that i can get out again you know maybe for a sunset surf uh doing that and then you're wiped you know come home eat Mm -hmm. food and you know surfing's intense so it just wipes you out you get a great night's sleep you do it all over again also the traveling part for me is i'm way too social so in vancouver (laughs) it's very distracting i I don't know how people pay for places in vancouver because no one seems to work a regular job and i get calls all day like and i i have you know a bit of fomo and i have a hard time saying no i want to do all of the things but sometimes that means i'm just like on a tuesday when i should be working (laughs) six hours on a project someone calls me up and wants to go do something fun and i go do that fun thing and now i'm working till midnight like so traveling alone actually removes the social aspect unless i really want it Ah, okay i see it's it's a trick to get away from all the friends it it actually (laughs) that's a big problem and when i came back i was like no i'm gonna i'm gonna be better about this Mm -hmm. like I always wonder about those people when you drive into work on like a sunny morning and you see people hanging out on the beach. You're like, who, what do you guys do? Yeah. What do you Apparently <laughs> that's me. That's exactly. So now I know. So wait till the, wait till the good weather comes. Like I cannot function like a human when the sun is out. Like it, I can't work. I think it's dark at 10 too. You're going to have to work mid, like you're going to have to work nighttime <laughs> or you just stop working. Save all I, your I, <laughs> what's nice about Vancouver is it rains so much. So like a day like today, it's dreary. It's the normal, the normal Vancouver fair. Like I could work. Uh, all day. I think we should start. Uh, this is something I talked about with friends. I think we should start advertising Vancouver as a place to go to if you want to get work done. Like it's just like, hey, artist, do you feel like you're not producing enough art? Come to Canada. Well, I guess. But uh, yeah, we shouldn't complain. Vancouver is pretty amazing, especially uh, when you compare it to other places. Yeah. Well, get, oh, Vancouver is very distracting for me. Like it, I realized the first time I left to go traveling alone, I realized how much anxiety uh, Vancouver gave me. I love Vancouver. Social anxiety, the, the social media, um, you know, I've been single for the last four years that, you know, you don't have that, that home base, that, that person that you do everything with. So I'm constantly reaching out to friends and, you know, seeing what they're up to and you get on social media and it's, you know, by 9am someone's on top of a mountain. It just creates this Uh, anxiety to do all of the things all the time. And it's like, if you need to get work done, you know, you you're to disconnect somehow. Yeah. And I was having a hard time doing that. So removing myself from Vancouver was actually the best thing I could have done. And, you know, doing it in the winter is not so hard because you know. it's kind of gloomy. Well, it's either that or somehow try to avoid the pressures. That's actually an interesting point. Uh, yeah. But seeing other people, do you, but 
it's funny that you do that with lifestyle but do you do that with art as well like you see someone like oh this guy just posts this giant painting like, you know what it's been a few years I, I feel like i hit a point in my career where i'm like ah, i'm you don't good care anymore <laughs> i'm good enough like i'm yeah, i'm yeah, like yeah, the yeah. old dog with no new tricks and like i you know i'm that guy that i kind of didn't want to be I'm not creating anything groundbreaking anymore and I don't care. I'm okay. Like I'll shift gears into something else. Like I mentioned the YouTube channel. That's what I want to talk about. Yeah. That's exciting to me because it's, Oh, okay. On that note. So like when I went traveling, um, or, or last year when I was working the job, uh, I was working on Octonauts. I decided after that, I was going to do this YouTube venture. I had mm -hmm. been watching so much YouTube and I'm like, this is amazing. Like you get to create whatever you want and just put it out there. And if it goes really well, you actually can live off this. Mm -hmm. So I really shifted and I was watching a lot of Casey Neistat and I give him all the props because man, his mentality, uh, most people What's know his name? Casey. Casey Neistat. Do you, mm, I don't think so, so he's like the biggest YouTuber vlogger. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a filmmaker. He had an HBO show. He switched to doing these daily vlogs. It, at first sight, he looks like a douche. He, he wears these Ray-Bans on, on <laughs> screen and all this stuff. And I started watching his mentality just aligned with mine perfectly. And everything he said resonated with me. He worked his butt off from a young age. He knocked up a girl when he was 15. He ran away when he was 15 and then just worked hard and he has this career where he does what he wants only and people pay him for that like nike paid him to make him commercial he took all the budget and just traveled for 10 days and blew the whole budget got back he made a film out of it because okay. he has this like guerrilla style like filmmaking like it's it's so cool maybe i've heard about that guy and he uh and so nike loved it but was like hey you weren't wearing anything nike and so he had to refilm the last part where he's like <laughs> running back to his place with Nike shoes. But everything he said resonated with me. And so for six months, I was watching two years worth of his videos every day. And I was like, every word he said was just hitting home. And I'm like, I'm, I'm doing it. And so he, I had this mentality of, cause I had drawn since I was like three years old and I always got praised for drawing. So I was always told I was good at it. Mm -hmm. That feels good. So I kept drawing. I was good at a few other things, but like, drawing was the thing I was known for. So I would always get praised for it. Why wouldn't I keep doing it? And so I became the master of one yeah. where other people are like the jack of all trades, master of none. Mm -hmm. And so for so many years, I actually stopped myself from doing new things because it's like, ah, I could be mediocre at that or I could just get better at what I'm like mm. really trying to do. Right. So I feel like I missed out on the opportunity to just, be versatile yeah, yeah. and be very interesting and i i have friends who are that type of person who are just so interesting like they might not be the best at all of the things they do but my goodness they can just like talk any topic and they're they're super good at all these little things so i shifted mm -hmm. all of a sudden last year i just said no i'm gonna do all of the things now and forget nice. forget the art i'm already good at that like i'll, I'll keep getting better i'm sure but like I'm going to do new things. And within that same month, I learned how to juggle three bowling pins. Like the, <laughs> I knew how to juggle. I was pretty good at juggling, but like I'd never even attempted to juggle like the bowling pins. Yeah. It seemed too hard or whatever. Bought those. I bought a skateboard at age 33 and started skateboarding. Never done that in my life. I suck at it so bad. It's not a video of you um, skateboarding. Yeah, I suck at it. Um, I bought all the camera equipment to do vlogging. I learned about DSLR cameras and what to shoot with and microphones and started with 
uh, iMovie because I was too terrified to to get Premiere again. I had mm. learned that in school and I was just like, no, that's too hard. I'm too old for this stuff. And I was all of a sudden I really enjoyed editing again. And so I learned iMovie, got really good. And then I was like, oh, that's too restrictive. Got Premiere. All of a sudden I'm like, now I have subscriptions to music software and like, so all of a sudden with, so with deep one, the stuff. Yeah. one month I'm like learning all this new stuff and it felt good and I felt energized about just everything. And then all of a sudden I have this energy about my art now that like I didn't have. Oh, it sounds like your brain was just craving something fresh. Yeah. You must have been, yeah. And, and that's what you mentioned about be like either doing one thing or many. That's such a, I think it's a really common struggle and clearly there's no one way or the other because, or maybe, maybe, it depends on the personality, but maybe what you need is switching. Like maybe what you need is you going out and then going back to the art. Maybe yeah. that, that is the way to keep it um, fresh. Cause I think you, you even hear it often in just art itself. Like people get, for example, tired of maybe just drawing, it, but maybe all they need is like another thing to learn. Maybe they just need to pick up some oils or something yeah. or clay. Yeah. Whatever, uh, whatever that is. That's yeah. Switch uh, up the medium. Um, those videos you talked about that guy, those videos are dangerous though because like when you're seeing this concentration of like like you said this guy's two years of life in however many hours of video and you're seeing those highlights it's tough to well, the thing with gate so the yeah. thing with casey is he's it's not he doesn't hide it oh he's he's super genuine and that's what i really respond to there's there's some other guys like peter mckinnon's this uh this photographer from toronto who formulaically built his uh, YouTube channel and within one year got a million subscribers. Mm -hmm. So like I studied all of this stuff uh, as I was getting into the YouTube um, kind of area where I wanted to actually make that my career and I wanted to make money on it. So I was thinking like, I'm not going to do YouTube as a hobby. Like I'm going to make this right, my, yeah. my job. And Peter McKinnon, he does much of what Casey does just not as, not quite as genuine. Casey is an open book. Mm -hmm like literally feel like I know this guy. I've never had any celebrity who's influenced me ever in my life. I've never, like I, I'm pretty self-motivated. Casey changed everything for wow. me last year. And it's it so weird to say, cause he's got millions and millions of followers and I'm sure everyone says that, but like literally it, it shifted everything for me. Clearly he's doing it right then. That he He's super talented. He's worth, his thoughts on life are super cool. Like I've tried to adapt a few of them cause I am like very particular and neurotic. And the way he treats his equipment, you'll look at him and be like, oh, you're just a jerk. Like <laughs> you're making so much money on YouTube. You can go and, and just trash your equipment. And he, he addresses it. He's like, listen, I'm not trying to be a, a show off here. He's like, if I baby this equipment, I will not get the shots I need. And he, he, uh, he uses one of those electric skateboards and skateboards mm -hmm. around with like a smoothie, the, the controller for the board, and then... Uh, his big DSLR rig with the microphone <laughs> in New York City, like asking for it. Accidents happen. Yeah. He's like, if I had a lens cap on this thing, like I would never get a shot ever. He crashes drones all the time, but like all of a sudden, I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm like, that sh that would stop me. Like I'm a clean artist. Like I don't have a studio space. So like if I paint something, I'm like, ooh, a drop. Like I clean <laughs> it up. Like I want to be that messy artist. And so. I tried to adjust my mind too, and like no wonder you work digitally so much. But I saw you transition to watercolors. Well, that is that why? Or that, I mean, you did a that bunch. is not a that is not a transition. So you're always doing it then. Uh, I've always loved uh, traditional medium. I worked a lot in markers uh, years ago. It's just all the it's all the the work stuff mm -hmm. is all digital, and then 
I'm out of practice, but when I travel, I only work mm -hmm. like I, I work with sketchbooks and watercolor. Actually, this is a good time to ask it. Uh, so the thing about social media in general, and you're you, you seem very successful in it. Before uh, I should, uh, I didn't even mention it on Instagram. The Tuninator. The Tuninator. I should have mentioned. Yeah. Like, yeah, people, if you're listening, check it out while we're talking about it. But that's actually, uh, to me, uh, an interesting point is what you post and what you don't post. Because clearly you do all these kinds of art. And then, but, you know, social media being this crafted um, channel, you you choose to post some things. And because I know you do traditional medium, you don't always post traditional medium. And so to me, it's interesting. Is there approach and mindset? How do you... Yeah, I'm I'm lost on Instagram right now. Um, all I'm doing is stories right now. Um, I'm I'm loving the which, stories, which are cool. But it, but it's so different from even your uh, the scrolling channel. I mean, from your like you could you can even call it portfolio now. You yeah, know, but it's, cool, it's yeah. my my Instagram fell stagnant about two years ago when they um, they stopped the, like they changed the algorithm and. I it messed me up pretty good because I used Instagram to evaluate whether my work was connecting with people and now it's like well is it connecting with people or are people just literally not seeing it or they they are seeing it I have no idea mm -hmm. so that really spiraled me and then all of a sudden like I wasn't I I was thinking about how to engage Instagram not what art I want to make mm. which is terrible and so that's screwed me up so much and then because I'm considering kind of making this break for for YouTube and and building this thing that can exist outside of me working in studios now I'm like really focused on it mm -hmm. like oh what are people going to respond to and that has stopped me from posting anything so I'm making art constantly but I'm not I'm not sharing it because I keep thinking it's not good enough it's not the the right content that people want to see and it's really messed me up oh, a wow. lot. it sounds like it sounds like way too much pressure it is I, and I'm not doing it for the love of it and actually last night I I spent the day kind of hanging out with some old friends and packed it in pretty early I was home by like 7 p.m. and you know Saturday night I put on some documentaries and I sketched in my sketchbook for the first time in forever and just like I made really terrible drawings but like I sat on my couch and sketched like I used to sketch like that used to be something that was therapeutic to me and I haven't done that in years because I usually work all day and all night on projects but yeah like I, I sat at home relaxed and sketched very terrible sketches That's very surprising but, like, to hear I, I I would have no idea that like, I'll, I'll carry the sketchbook. It was really fun to carry around the sketchbook. I had this, like, tiny little moleskin, um, but, like, a soft cover one that I fit perfectly in my back pocket uh, while I was in Bali. And, you know, you watch the progress. At, like, even if I go two days without sketching in a sketchbook, I suck the first, <laughs> you know, five you drawings. Rusty, right? You yeah. got to do it every day. Mm -hmm. um, I think I you might have seen that story. Uh, like, I, I just kind of flipped through the pages and posted you know, a different page on every, um, for each story and just kind of like gave my thoughts on it. And mm -hmm. I got a lot of engagement from my, my viewers on Instagram being like, wow, it's so good to know you struggle. I'm like, of course, like but everyone struggles. And it's cool you showed, but cause yes, I mean, you look at your, once again, you look at social media and I know it is craft, but once again, you wouldn't know that. And, uh, 
I feel like I can, you know what? I wouldn't even have to try it. Like if I want to make a whole YouTube channel that'll engage people, I can just show all my crappy drawings. <laughs> like if, you know, DM me on uh, Instagram if there you want to see point. all my crappy <laughs> drawings because I don't have this like portfolio sketchbook. Mm-hmm. I used to think it had to be nice and now I like scribble on the front page and I'm like, well, it sucks now. So <laughs> guess I'll just doodle in it. And, and then that relieves the pressure and... But why do you put that pressure on yourself? Because uh, clearly in your in your life and the way you let go and all like all these stories you just said with your adventures, you don't approach your life that way. But yet somehow art is it big? You just said you approach your art in a very clean way. Is there something there? Uh, like you put so much pressure on yourself for your art, but for your life, it, it seems like you allow yourself to be more relaxed. Oh, I no, I'm not relaxed. No, don't get me. Is yeah, that an, is that another the concept? I think that's where the surfing needs to uh, to come in, okay. uh, become a more chill human. I'm not relaxed, really. Like, I'm always like thinking. Uh, like, I'm the guy who's like, oh, I like I don't sit still. I've never been bored <laughs> in my life. I'm like, what can I be doing with my time? I should be drawing. I mm-hmm. should be getting better at something. Like, and I sit and spin my wheels. Like, I I'm pretty high strung. <laughs> I I can relate to that. But so and so at this point have you found good tactics of surfing is there anything else to kind of calm yourself or be able to organize yourself surfing is definitely a cool one i i just want to be like live that surf life i i'm a you know i love the sun i love the beach and i'm scared of the ocean but like surfing you you can't bring a phone with you you can't Mm -hmm. you're not connected to anything it's scary as shit but like you you're out there and you just get to kind of like chill and so that's really cool. And now that you're back in Vancouver, can you still not just throw the phone away? Or do you, is no. there pressures? No. It comes to bed with me. It, like, it. I'm connected, man. <laughs> like I said, I, I put a lot of effort into the relationships I have. And that could be anything. Like, I have this rule where uh, if I think about someone, I'll, I'll message them. Mm-hmm. Because I, <laughs> I respond really well. Like, if somebody thinks about me or, or messages me out of the blue or someone is like, hey, you want to hang out? Mm-hmm. That means the world to me. And so knowing that, that I can influence someone's life in hopefully a positive way, when I do think, especially if it's someone from like my past or like someone who I don't hang around with often, if, I, if they cross my mind in some pleasant way or unpleasant, like whatever the case may be, I'll send them a message say, hey, what's up? How's it going? We should catch up, whatever. That's a cool habit. So I don't know. That started like a few years ago. And so I'm usually getting bunch of text messages like throughout the day or like i'm just connected all the time and the problem is the world is getting smaller so i travel so much that i meet people from different time zones so there's no dead time it's not Mm. like i only have friends in vancouver i've got i got windsor ontario which is three hour difference i so i'm always my mind is also in different time zones. So like sometimes I'm working with a studio in Australia. I'm a day ahead in my mind. So that's stressing me out. And then also I have friends all over the world that can message me like in the dead of night. I, I don't know. Like I have a hard time self med. It sounds know. like it's <laughs> not self medicating, like self uh, dealing with my phone on my own. Like mm. I, I, I need a reason to remove it. It's like dating I'll take is, it. I'll take it. is one of the only <laughs> times I shut her down. Like 
you know, I'm on a date. I'm not going to pull out my yeah, phone, yeah. right? Or like if I'm playing a sport, that's that's where sport comes in. It's a nothing else is on my mind when I play a sport other than kick ass, be be as good <laughs> as you can be. It sounds like you found yourself a recipe to basically not do art somehow <laughs> with all the friends. It's, it sounds like that's what you're doing. Okay, so is this <sighs> therapy or is this? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's whatever you want to get out of this. <laughs> but it sounds like what you're saying. Uh, okay, so you're now freelancing. Your goal is to now spend time more on your own projects i think you touched upon uh, that um maybe before you tell me what your kind of vision is for let's say a couple of years down the road with your personal work uh tell me what your vision is for the um, youtube channel and the youtube videos to start it because i really enjoyed watching those it was like a lifestyle and art comes together which is really cool i think it's a nice perspective to take on it uh for my uh, for my opinion i guess as well is that I think it fits so well if a person travels like those travel shows but then you got this extra element this person travels and then they depict what they see in an image uh, I it, it sounds like it works so well because people like I think people like art being made that's why people go to those life painting shows but then you combine that with travel and then art I, sounds like a good formula anyways that's my take on it that's me. Yeah. that's really good to hear because I I mean I've stopped doing the YouTube thing because I actually found I was like what am I doing like I wanted to do lifestyle really bad because I, like I like to talk. I feel like I have a lot of ideas and basically how it started was I got so, so often I'd go talk to schools. I'd talk to students. I'd talk to even my colleagues. Like, you know, if it was my junior designer and I'd tell them kind of like how I got started or if they had nothing to do with the industry, just a, someone who met me for the first time, I'd tell them what I do, how I got started, all this stuff. Every single time I would get, wow, that's really inspiring. Mm -hmm. I was like, there's got to be something I can do with this. And I don't particularly enjoy teaching, especially not to a big class. I'll, I'll do like mentorships one-on-one uh, -on -one with like excelling students, but I get really let down when, you know, people don't put the, the work in. So I don't want to teach. Mm. And I learned that because I did a 10-week online course that I taught and I was just like, nah, not for me. So I was like, how can I, how can I get this, information across and I thought you know after watching Casey Neistat I'm like I can just make these videos of of my life which is fairly amusing I, I'm very random <laughs> um, I have a tattoo that says uh, por que no like in Spanish basically why not <laughs> yeah. and that's how I make my decisions like why not like it, it's, it sounds crazy but like let's just do it and so I wanted a medium to be able to kind of like t tell those stories mm -hmm. and I thought I could do it while just living my normal life and I, I want to include the art, but so far to date, because I wasn't creating a lot at the time mm. when I started the videos, I was pretty beat down with work. They became lifestyle, okay. which didn't draw any of my Instagram following. Mm -hmm. So I think the future of it, if I can get myself re-energized, uh, which is going to happen in the next few weeks, is to first put a lot of like useful content out. Mm. So I, I, I will include a little bit of that lifestyle. I'll include a little bit of me as the personality because I, I do really want to be a focus because so many people can make an, like a how to draw video. But even if that's the case, they can't be me. So I'll always have that, mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, they might come just for me we'll just and I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. So I'll include that. But I want to do content. Uh, I want to talk to things like working remotely with you know, 
all Apple products because that's what I did. I instead of buying like a, a Cintiq or anything like that, like a portable unit like that, which mm-hmm. was huge, I just bought an iPad Pro and an Apple Pencil, and then I got a MacBook Pro, which I ended up carrying too much equipment. But like, I want to make videos that are kind of like, okay, if you want to do this, like this is how you do it, or how to draw ponytails. I don't know. Like I, I really <laughs> love ponytails. So like I'm going to do a few that people can share and that are less like they don't need to know who I am first. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I kind of went wrong with starting my channel is I was trying to focus on like me and nobody knows like nobody cares yet. Mm-hmm. If I give them some content that they can really use, they'll buy into it and be like, oh, he really does this. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've never even mentioned on my channel really like what I do or shown yeah, like yeah. my past work or really talked about the industry. I, I just kind of went into like, oh, this is what I do. I play yeah. volleyball and <laughs> I skateboard and I look, you know, like I'm copying Casey Neistat, I don't know. You seem to really care about the response though. Uh, it sounds like you really want to make sure that the outcome is also, um, why do you think? Or uh, Well, because that'll be like, I, I want I want things that are meaningful to people mm. and I want I want it to be useful because that's where the longevity and like yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. I can do it as a career. I could I could really make any video I Once want. Again, that's a lot of pressure though. I know. And yeah. and so that's what I have to train myself to do is finished is better than perfect. Mm-hmm. This is a huge thing I'm fighting with right now. I published a book in 2012 not knowing shit about publishing a book. I self-published it. I used a publisher or not even a publisher. I used a printer in my hometown that had never published like printed a book. I figured it all out. I sent books across the globe. I got that book. (laughs) (laughs) Ilya's got the book. So like, I, it's not perfect, but people have a book. Uh, Maybe it's not even perfect to you. I think to a lot of people, you'd be surprised. Right. That's So like finished is better than perfect. I have not made a book since then. It's been five years, I think since I, almost six years since I put that book out. I haven't made another book because I'm too afraid that Stop now it, I'm man. an art director <laughs> and like I know better I should be able to find the perfect publisher or the f- printer and the pages have to be crisp. I have I have so many ideas for books that I want to do and I stop myself same is happening with the channel. I've made a few. I was naive when I made those and I was like, "Oh, this is fun." But it's good, I think, I mean, rather than I know. the amount of pressure you're putting yourself. So now I went back, like I went traveling and I evaluated what I was doing and I'm like, ah, they didn't really engage. And now it's been enough time that I'm like, okay, well, if I put out another video, it better be perfect. So now I know I'm going to go home <laughs> after this, after this recording, yeah. I will go home and I will just make a video and it's going to be, be good. maybe good. it'll just be an apology and be like, Not, no, no, you're the best. Just do what you do. Yeah. That's so that that's a huge thing. And, and that's something that you know, Casey hits on all the time in his videos. And I, I do watch these videos and like get these perspectives from different creatives and like hearing that just a little reminder. It's like, you're right. Like I need to just create content. I know people are going to engage with it. Like mm-hmm. look what's happened with my career. Like I never cared about the money I was going to make. I never cared about what people thought initially. Like I don't post on my Instagram cause I care now what people think like you gotta go back to not caring you just gotta yeah you need a tactic you need a tactic too what what are your what are your other ideas that you want to pursue as well let's say a couple years down the road because the youtube uh, channel that's a pretty big one but as far as uh, you're saying is there a possibility we're going to see another book for you yeah for sure like you know i have ideas that have been in the all i have to do is put them together i think i would bring someone on to help me with that like I, i don't i don't care for the 
admin kind of work of it. Yeah, like yeah. the last time I did the book, every time I like got a, an order, I'd actually be like, oh, and then now I got to go to the post office. So I think I'd bring someone in and I would Definitely. just, I would do the content and then let them run it. Um, and then aside from that, I think what's going to happen is if, if the YouTube thing goes really well, I'll keep obviously working on these development projects and drawing and working with studios and building these relationships. But I think if the YouTube thing goes well, it might inspire me. Like I love editing. I mm. love, I love the actual filmmaking. Like I love the, t the storytelling. I think what I'll try to do is finally shift to doing a, like a short film, like maybe nice. something in the animated yeah. form. And I was really inspired being in Bali. The, the water conditions are in some areas amazing in other areas polluted indonesia has the worst plastic in the ocean problem and i swam through it every single stroke in um kuda in bali after a storm and every paddle stroke was garbage all over my arms oh. and so i've never really been an advocate for anything um i just you know it's like how can i affect anything mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, man, it'd be so great to collaborate with some amazing artists, small, small time, like, mm -hmm. you know, a small little project, but do a passion project uh, to bring awareness to these problems and make this amazing film with like fluid, you know, man, like I love it. stylized water, yeah, just something cool. Who knows? I've never wanted to do an animated uh, short. Mm -hmm. I, I just not a thing. Um, that I've ever wanted to do, but I think with the filmmaking, like if I if I continue down that path, maybe that that could be something I do. This is I mean I, I love the coincidence. Just last week I was speaking with my coworkers about what is a there's a it's like a garbage a, island. Garbage. That's exactly. So that I don't know how that got into my mind or where I heard it or read it, but kind of remembered it. But it's. It's insane that that thing exists and that just crossed my mind like once every whatever four years. And you're like, what are you talking about right now? I'm just, ah, that, that, that actually got me thinking about art as well. And yeah, there's actually a, a mural project that they do. I think it started in Australia. Um, I think, I don't remember if the name's like Ocean, I don't know, Wolf for Ocean. I can look it up after and I can, but you know, they're doing kind of their way of bringing up awareness to it. But yeah, when thinking about this, in just... Texas size, uh, you know what? Rubble it, in the ocean. That, that's a pretty good cause. I don't. I don't heart. blame. I don't blame anyone. Well, all um, of us, really. I, no, I don't blame anyone who who isn't aware of the problem mm. and who doesn't feel connected to it. Because if you haven't spent time in the ocean, you would have no idea. So, like, you hear about it, and you're like, oh yeah, there's garbage in the ocean." But I've I've snorkeled in Belize, where it was like the bluest turquoise water. I was with nurse sharks. And like these turtles and, and then I'll, I'm swimming. We're like in the middle of nowhere. And I see this tiny little fish with one of those like plastic collars from like a, a plastic water bottle no around its body. Wow. Like it had grown into it. And I was like, okay, that's surreal. And then this year surfing, like you're surfing, like that's usually like the most beautiful thing. You're on the water. It's clear and it's scary, but like, it's amazing. And it, it's beautiful. And this year I just like watching all the trash on the beaches in Indonesia were so brutal and so in your face that you can't avoid it. And it's everywhere. Like, I mean, I was in Ubud uh, in the middle of Bali and, you know, I was, got so excited. I saw a bunch of locals playing a soccer game, like young locals. And so I kind of went over there and on my little scooter and checked out the game. I was like, that's so cool. It looks epic. And there's the rice fields all, all surrounding it. And then I kind of like cruised around to the other side of the field and it's just littered with single-use water 
um, cups. Wow. Single use. And mind you, they, they don't, they can't drink tap water and stuff like that. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know what solution they could have, but they just play soccer over top of all this rubbish. They don't, they don't do anything with it. Wow. And I think you got to take these experiences and put them into art basically. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's like, Oh, bring an awareness to th- what does awareness do? But like, no, if we could like raise money and like, you know, maybe I will get involved with like an ocean, you know, beach cleanup or something like that. But like, yeah, I've never really felt engaged to, to be an activist about anything. Cause you know, my life had enough fixing to do over the, <laughs> you know, like it, it's just like, what can I do? But yeah, the ocean thing, like I, I do love surfing and I love the beaches and, you know, even down in Florida, the U.S. has a bad problem of, like, plastic straws. Every time I got a, a new water, you know, even if you were drinking tap water at the, the restaurant, they would bring you a new straw every time. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then we were training on the beaches, which are beautiful white sand beaches down in uh, Deerfield Beach near Fort Lauderdale. And we had to move courts because there was so much ground-up plastic, mm. uh, you know, because they, they maintain their beaches. They have these big tractors that come over, but like we had to move because there was so much like little triangle shaped mm-hmm. pieces of plastic. It sounds like you're really connected. I know it's a really sensitive subject. The whole thing of like, Oh, we should like, you're saying bring awareness. I there's, there's a, I'm sure there's a right way to go r- about it where it's helpful. And you know, maybe it's easier for us to be in Canada and like uh, speak about these things. I don't want to like, I don't want to discount that, but Clearly, you're passionate about surfing. The, I think you're probably like a perfect person to do that. And also because you're that's what to me makes art special about other people is when they bring their life to it. It's something I've been told, um, I've heard, and it's something I've adapted, especially recently. It, it kind of clicked, but I don't know, like you seeing you speak about this, you're very passionate about this. I, I imagine if you go on down any of those roads i really yeah look forward I, to seeing what you do i think it'll probably start i mean filmmaking is a big laborsome thing and i have other tools in my my belt to be able to like make make stuff that brings awareness it, you know i can make i have all the photography from these places like i can do paintings i can i can do surf paintings i can ocean paintings and all that kind of stuff like mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be this huge production value i could literally like do a few paintings host an event you know, a little gallery show and proceeds could go to something. I don't know. <laughs> But you're so sociable. I, I have a feeling you're gonna that <laughs> you're gonna have so many things. You should. I, I'll send you a link. You should look up that mural project. I, I mean, I think there's many ways where, yeah, it just like to kind of team up, connect, and do all these things. I got um, as we talked about um, social media and you also creating the videos. What do you think? I've been wondering about this. Lately. What do you think? Uh, artists do not talk enough about on these kind of channels on these um i don't know whether it's social media or video money yeah i i so not that we have to talk numbers uh on this show uh but i can tell you from experience that anyone who doesn't talk about money in our industry is underpaid oh yeah and and they're usually taken advantage of not like i mean it's not malicious but anyone who's ever been candid enough with me to 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 ask mm-hmm. about money has has done so much better for themselves. <laughs> I, I have one situation where uh, this young female um, approached me and she's like, I want to ask you about uh, rates because, I, uh, you know, this company's uh, asking me to take this bigger position, but this is what they're offering. Mm-hmm. 
And so I was able to guide her to get the job descriptions from HR and kind of compare what she does now, what, you know, blah, 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 basically get all the info. And then, you know, she kind of told me what she does and I gave her a ballpark. Mm. She's like, oh, they're offering me this. And she went armed with all this knowledge, uh, having talked to me, having uh, looked at the job descriptions and what's being expected. And I don't know if she talked to anyone else, but she went into the interview and she ended up getting, um, I'm pretty sure what she told me, she got $200 per week more without contest. Wow. Like the. If if someone doesn't come back and be like, ooh, let, like let us think about it, you they're just like, you know what, more, that's basically. that sounds yeah. right. Like wow. clearly they're gonna they're they're lowballing you, and rightfully so. Any studio should. Why would they pay you more than you're asking? Or like yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if you're not asking for it, why would they spend any more money on yeah. the project? Right? Like it makes sense. You can't even be mad at the studios for that. Why would they just? They can kind of build a culture where yes, they're they're the studio that pays more. But if you don't arm yourself with the right knowledge, you're gonna be in a bad position most of your career. I and know, yeah. when you realize that you are the value, mm -hmm. that they need you as much as you need them, the power shifts, and you can start negotiating. You can start kind of being worth what your art is worth you know yeah. kind of I would say yes to no the thing because they're dealing with artists who often enough already don't have that high self-esteem because more most artists are hard on themselves I I've had a lot of these kind of conversations recently actually with people so I love that you say that the whole thing about pay and on one hand yes they're you know a business and industry so yeah of course why would they pay you more than uh, that you would ask for but on the other hand I think we're seeing a change especially seems like in a tech industry where um, the kind of uh, environments uh, companies are creating for people these days uh, th maybe there's more competition so you would think i don't know if you experienced that I, uh, there's there's a couple of times working for certain companies i've i've noticed that i didn't feel like i was treated as a person but ra rather than like kind of as a unit and i think this this whole thing about not like not paying people enough or an amount that's kind of fair for their position and actually lowballing them just because they can i feel like that grows it makes you grow weary of the company and makes you respect them less and in the end you're probably going to go to another place which is fair i think it's just that i don't know yeah i've had a lot of conversations about this kind of stuff where sure they can do it but i don't know if it's um yeah i don't know if like not justified but oh yeah i'm definitely not saying like that's how it should be and yeah. and that's you know the best uh, you know why why wouldn't they do more i think you of course uh, i mean a, a company can step up and offer the best things and you can build a lot of respect with your your employees and you can keep them um but yeah i mean they're not it, it's only smart business to not pay a million dollars but i mean i i'm coming from a background where i was mistreated uh, not mistreated i was disrespected um when i tried to talk about money in my f one of my first promotions mm -hmm. and i felt like an uh, like a monster for even bringing it up meanwhile they're offering me a new position and it's like maybe i don't want that position mm -hmm. and basically i was told um oh you shouldn't have to worry about money like how much are you spending like Basically, Seriously? yeah, wow. um, this was one of my first promotions and I had the most sour taste in my mouth 
And I was like, okay, that's really messed up. But I was pretty young, right? Like mm-hmm. I was, I was fresh and like, you don't want to stir the pot. And then I remember going back into the office and apologizing and being like, just so you know, I'm not only doing this for the money, but like, like I got to live. And mm-hmm. maybe that's when it was said like, well, you know, are you living with uh, like outside your means? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. And then, like, like yeah. there were a few scenarios, and there, there's one where I found out that, uh, yeah, th- there was a few scenarios. I, I won't go go into it, but I'm not naive, and I do my research, and I talk to a lot of people, and I found out things that just soured, you know, soured mm-hmm. me on the company, and that's a hard thing to get over. And so I went in hard the next time, like. Mm-hmm. I was going to I was going to walk away when they offered me this new position and they're like, you know, I think it'd be really you it'd be a great position for you and we really want you to stay and they're like, what what can we do to keep you? And I said, "Make me an offer. Like put something on the table that I get to respond to because I'm not doing this, you know, the dance that I did last time and I'm mm-hmm. not like I'm not afraid to walk away right now." And they came to the table with a an amount that was enough to keep me. Um turns out Money isn't like when I have made decisions based on a paycheck, which I've done a few times um, as I was kind of moving up the ranks. uh, I have never been happy. (laughs) I was happier making half the money. And so that's a valuable lesson. And I, I guide everyone to that degree like it doesn't matter what career you're in like you got to do what you want to do because you want to do it. The money is a bonus. But once you hit a certain amount like nothing's going to make you happy if you're not happy now that money is not going to do anything for you it's interesting that you were mentioning these two parts and actually they're i think from the outside they seem contradicting but they're not at all and i think that's especially true for the creatives meaning like hey get get what you're worth but at the same time don't just go for the money which are i think they're uh, they're i think they, they can actually work together it's value over so like um it's knowing your worth how do you how do you know because as you said sometimes as a young artist maybe you have to kind of i don't know work some crappy jobs or some low-paying jobs how do you know i'll ask you i don't know if there's an answer but how do you know when to start taking back your kind of worth and understanding your value like when do you because you have to understand that it's a relationship with an employer right like hey you're giving them something as well yeah yeah or when did it happen for you when did you realize hey i'm actually worse like you guys need me i don't just need you yeah that happened a, a few years into the the studio life and in they kept moving me around and using me for all these different projects because i was i was quick um and then i got fed up I, I don't know i just got confident it was when i was ready to walk away though like i thought the studio couldn't offer me anything more mm. and i was ready to walk away the moment you're ready to walk away from something <laughs> like that's just, you got all the power yeah mm-hmm. just uh, just try it out like so what i do now with my freelancing i hate i hate the dance of like trying to like figure out rates and all that stuff so a lot of the times i just i ask the people what their will like what their budget is mm-hmm. and i work within it um or or i don't um depends sometimes i'll send a quote and they'll be like they'll re- react like holy crap we were not expecting that we can't pay you so thank you anyways and i i email them back immediately and i'm like hey what is your budget like let's see if we can work something out like and you know what happens when this this is a this is kind of an interesting trick and you know if you want to if you want to kind of 
exhibit a little bit of control in your situation with a, a client, if you do it that way, where you, you kind of shoot high a little bit mm-hmm. and they come back, they're like, oh, we can't really afford you. And they're really, you know, willing to walk away. And you come back and you're like, hey, I really want to work with you. The project sounds good. Like, what can we work out? It almost seems like you're doing them a favor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the revisions become fewer. <laughs> and it's a little hack. It's a little, <laughs> that's a pro tip that's for a, you. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if you don't shoot high, like, so if you're not afraid that they're going to walk away. And this this comes down to managing people, not necessarily, like, it's not just politics. Like, well, it is politics. Like, to be able to navigate personalities. Mm-hmm. If you're... If you're willing to converse about it, then shoot a little bit. Like, ask for what you want. And then if if they're smart, they don't, like, they'll say, like, oh, sorry, we can't afford that. Like, they won't just, like, shut you down completely. And then you always have a chance to come back and be like, okay, how can we make this work? Like, I'm willing to work for this. Like, just don't tell anyone, like, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, for future stuff. So it's, make it a conversation rather than just, like, a firm I always like even in the wording of your email if you can know those little words that kind of keep it open and not just like firm and nobody teaches you about this stuff too that's kind of i think there's a lot of trouble in that and i I wonder if that's why you end up seeing artists not being um, paid properly for their work is because well part of it is not being talking about it but also yeah just just no education about what should you even be asking for? I mean, luckily now there's these websites popping up like Glassdoor and you can kind of see the average, but still. Uh, so the I have a lot of buddies in the uh, engineering world mm-hmm. and they, so the engineers don't have a union, but what they do have is their own, like they have a community and that community basically sends out a survey at the end of every year and says, what positions did you work this year? What were you paid? And everyone who agrees to do this survey sends in basically their rates oh, cool. and it goes into a, a data bank and they compile it all. And basically they, they develop like the average mm-hmm. for these positions. So if you were taking, you know, you're a new engineer and you're taking on a job, you can go to this website and say, okay, well, this is the type of work I'm doing. What should I be charging? So they, they self govern themselves because they don't have a union to, you know, keep them all mm-hmm. in check. Well, that, that just adds a bit of transparency. I'm surprised we don't, exactly have that or yeah. not to that extent someone yeah. you know it would take just someone doing it i'm sure like mm-hmm. are you kidding if all the artists got together and were like yeah. yeah man like anonymously this is what i make this is my position mm-hmm. you'd be shocked yeah gotta share oh man we don't have a lot of time left so let me just run through some questions i have a feeling honestly i have a feeling we just talk here for like a day and <laughs> still not, you're you're very good at you've this. never you've never been caught on a flight with me poor souls hey, w- <laughs> hey i'm willing to listen this is I, I think there's a lot of good information hey their artists are probably going to be happy let's uh let me get run through a couple of questions before we have to get out of here um what is actually what is the most common question you get about your art or just what is a common question you get especially on your social media if you understand throw it out there besides what tools do you use oh that's the most annoying question right yeah what tools do you use <laughs> do you read it's all about um, the tools <laughs> yeah yeah uh what questions do i get um oh man i get a i get a bunch i get asked a lot I do a lot of interviews huh look at you I, I do i students reach out to me often and and i like answering the questions because it reveals more about you know like as i answer them like i'm like oh shit it makes you think Never about th- it right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but most questions kind of like how do i get into the industry kind of there's no quick answer there i guess yeah no but what i do tell them is that it's so much easier um 
you know, once you get in the industry, like yeah. going through school was the hardest part for me. Once you get in, so anytime once a tour, get the first job, yeah. once a tour comes through like the studio and I get to talk to the students, mm-hmm. I always tell them like, guys, it's going to get easier. You only have one t- job to do once you're, you're in the industry, like in yeah. film school, mm-hmm. you do, you wear every hat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is probably a bigger one, but I like asking it. Um, <coughs> how do you define success for yourself? success would be uh, maintaining inspiration like staying inspired mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what I'm doing um, pure acknowledgement was a big one like recognition mm-hmm. when I wasn't in the industry like all I wanted was somebody else who drew to tell me and validate me and be like yeah you're good because I used to work with the general public right like I'd work these parties and do caricatures and everyone would walk up and be like oh my god it must be nice to have talent like <laughs> you should work for Disney or you should you should uh, you should do this for a living and I'm like you know I'm being paid right now to do this <laughs> so like I got tired of hearing that over and over yeah. again and I had to get out of caricatures because it was a stagnant art and it was working with the general public and all I wanted were other artists to be like, yeah, man, you're really good. Or like, look up to me or whatever. So that used to be a huge one, but now it's just, you know, like success will be maintaining a lifestyle that keeps me inspired and happy. Mm-hmm. And, and happiness is not an end goal. It's just like a constant. It's For like, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. how do I, or it's not a constant. It's like one day's w- one thing, but like to have general be content with the direction I'm headed. Mm-hmm. And so that to me, that's success. I've already had every dream I've had of working in the industry and all the positions I've ever wanted have all come true. And that left me with a big empty hole in my, were those worth pursuits? Were those, pers- I mean, were those pursuits worthy? I mean, of course, yeah. but I, I kept, it happened so fast by three years in the industry. I had achieved almost everything I wanted to achieve and it left me with a big, empty spot mm. in my soul where I had no idea what to do. Nothing was making me happy. Hmm. Yeah. That's what actually sounded like when you're in the beginning, you went through this, you really went through it quickly, but I mean, even on the timeline, it seemed like it was pretty quick. Are you finding it hard to find inspiration now? That, is that why you're no, uh, success? And that's uh, hard to find inspiration. I, now I'm happy. Like I'm mm. content. Like mm-hmm. I was lost before. Now I have new directions that are, it's just, Finding that next thing, you know, a goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I didn't have a goal. I had I had reached everything and I didn't have something in the future. The only thing I really was looking forward to was like maybe starting a family, but mm-hmm. I couldn't date because I wasn't happy. Like I Yeah, that's another good place too. Yeah. But it sounds like you got a bunch of goals now though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now I'm inspired it's a and good spot. I'm I can also reflect and be like, holy crap, I'm really lucky to be doing what I'm doing. Like mm-hmm. it took a while. For two years I was just like I couldn't even I didn't even feel like I could complain to anyone because anyone would give <laughs> the shirt off their back to have my position, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, yeah. I was being paid to do what I love and like I was having all these successes and I was unhappy. So yeah, now it's, it's like just learning I, what happiness actually is rather yeah. than what people think it is, right? Yeah. So that's that's the traveling thing. Like it's so cheesy to say like, oh, you find yourself. But like, no, I like removed myself from the bad situation Mm. And I've put myself in a better one where I have more control and now I have new new goals and mm. things to look forward to. Just gain some perspective basically, right? Yeah. Do you have a do you have a nemesis? A nemesis? <laughs> like a uh, somebody to yeah, do skateboarding. Skateboard- Skateboarding's my nemesis. I <laughs> I'm terrified to get back on it. Are you um, gonna do it though? 
Yeah. Just don't break your wrist, man. Have you been That's to kits? Those hills are steep, man. Oh, yeah. Like, even a 1% grade sends me, like, just like, oh. I, yeah, I probably tried skateboarding when I was 10. It didn't work, so it's never. What is my nemesis? <laughs> I hate I hate ice cubes, like dry ice cubes from your freezer. What about artists? What about artist nemesis? Or people who? My nemesis is just anyone who just, like, doesn't work hard. Like, just, <laughs> <Those people. laughs> like you know, they want the quick answer to, to get somewhere, mm. like. No man, yeah, grind it out. That's right. Well, they you had a pretty good grind. What's the uh, recent coolest book movie experience you've had, or one of those, a Cooler. book, a movie, or experience? Mm. <laughs> well, I I do not see a lot of movies as of like you know having gone to school for filmmaking and all that kind so of stuff. The artist here, come on. I I know it's a shame and I make, you know, movies, TV shows, all that stuff. I don't care about the content that's coming out, but I was on the plane and I watched the movie Wonder, the one with Julia Roberts and uh Owen Wilson and the 